Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. As we have a guest joining us today on this Wednesday morning, May the 5th, we record. He is David Sharapan, as you can find him on gambling Twitter. He is known as Sportsbook Consigliere at SportsBK Consig, C O N S I G. Uh, and we're just going to kind of, one of the good things about this podcast is we can kind of do whatever we want, have whoever we want on, and uh, pick their brain about their background in the space and, and, and let them tell their story. If we're not feeling, you know, like we're going to give out a ton of picks, we'll certainly uh, do plenty of picks pods if you're familiar with how we do things here. But every now and again, we like to bring a guest on and kind of veer away from making 95 to 100% of the podcast nothing but picks. So we bring Dave on to chat with us and uh, just to kind of pick his brain a little bit. Dave, thanks a lot for joining us. How you been? Hey, Greg. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Um, there's so much going on in this space. And um, between picks, acquisitions, all kinds of things, I'm sure we'll find stuff to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. We kind of <laughs> wanted to uh, touch all the bases with you, so to speak. And let, let's just start right there. Uh, tell us a little bit about 
uh, your background and, and what drew you to gambling and uh, how you got to where you are in the space currently. And, um, you know, I don't know if there's any cool story or if you slowly but surely started doing it and, uh, you know, it, it, it became a bigger part of your life. Well, do you have any kind of neat little anecdote for us? Don't feel, don't feel, it's fine if you don't, but we love to c- try and get people's backgrounds. Oh, for sure, Greg. It's, it's, uh, it's been a way of life for me since I've been a little kid. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and grew up uh, around it, uh, around sports and around, you know, guys that were probably booking games and betting games and, you know, I was doing tip sheets, which for the youngins, it's it's parlay cards. Uh, I was handing them out to everybody and bringing them back and dropping them off and doing all kinds of stuff. And then went to college at Penn State, graduated with a journalism, broadcast journalism degree and was doing the hustle, um, you know, for KDK in Pittsburgh and covering games and doing all that stuff. When a guy says to me, do you want to go move to Curacao? and learn the offshore sportsbook businesses, and this was in the late 90s. So I took my shot at age 26, single, still living at home, working three jobs to try to make any money, and said, yeah, I'm going to go learn it, and ended up being down there for almost two years and um, worked every day and learned. I got a Ph.D. in the business, and it became a part of my life. So I moved back to the Pittsburgh after living in the Caribbean for almost two years in February and the temperature was nine degrees when I landed and I was, I'll never forget it because when he said it, I thought I'm going to be cold until July and I was <laughs> cold until July. So I ended up making my way out West. I got to Phoenix first and got out of the business a little bit. And then just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I moved to Vegas with my now wife and my oldest daughter when she was one and I was a stay at home dad I was playing hockey twice a week and, you know, men's leagues and stuff. And a guy says to me, you should come down to the nugget and meet the director. He'll probably hire you in a second in the sports book. One thing led to another. I came down, talked to the guy for five minutes. We knew some of the same people. This business is so small yet so large and started writing tickets that weekend. It was Thursday. He put me through and I was working Saturday for college football season and 17 years later, I'm still, I was still in the books and, um, I was working in the risk room for CG technology covering, you know, we took bets at seven different books on the strip and, um, William Hill bought us out in the, in the course of consolidation and acquisitions and things like that. William Hill bought CG technology after an amazing run in Vegas and, I said, all right, I'm going to wait and take a break and evaluate my options. I had a stroke on September 11th, uh, 2020. 2020 was a hard year for everybody. I woke mm-hmm. up and couldn't talk. And wow. um, my kids were home because of COVID. COVID was the worst thing to happen to so many people. It saved my life because they were home, got me to the hospital, You know, called 911. I got to the hospital. I had a brain surgery. And three hours later, I woke up like I took a nap. And um, wow. I became a media guy. So that's where we're at now. I'm in the media space. I'm doing those shows every night. I'm, I'm talking about the business. I'm not directly moving the numbers, but over 20 years, moving the numbers, making the numbers, and, and talking about it now has been uh, an absolute blessing. Well, I liked 
almost all of that story. I do have to say <laughs> I'm a South Jersey native, grew up just outside of Philly. Oh, uh, man, I didn't know that. I would have yeah, never no, agreed to I was to aware you were a Pittsburgh guy. We were going to get to that eventually. However, I got nothing against the Buccos and the Steelers, but obviously your hockey team, uh, I won't Oh, even, man, we so. got a lot to, yeah, we got a lot to go back and forth with there. That's, good. That's funny. But no, you know, I think it's interesting how, um, like you said, going back to when you were 26 and, and single and, and just moved to Curacao, like, I, I think it's interesting how the space in the last 20 years really took off to be so mainstream. I mean, I'm 26 now, and I live in small town Minnesota working a radio job. And I think one thing that, uh, with how mainstream it is now, I, I can't envision anybody th- that is so desperate to work in sports gambling to have to make that kind of move again. So I, I just think that's interesting how it, it has become so mainstream. And, and like you said, I, I think a more modern type story is like what you discussed with getting involved there at the Nugget in Vegas, where couple people know the right people and the next thing you know like you said you're writing tickets can I ask you like did you ever like when did you know like as you said you kind of felt like you were taking a chance there going to carousel when did you know that it was something you wanted to do for a career and when did you well I suppose you probably knew that (laughs) when you went to carousel but when did it hit you that it was it could be a reality and that it wasn't just a hobby well, it was probably a, a little side career for a long time between between betting and then knowing guys who were booking and doing all that stuff. I mean, it's been going on for the beginning of time. And um, when you're around it, I could never get away from it. Like, I, I, I mean, you know, doing the media job hustle, like I, I fully – uh, understand what you're doing and you know you have to move to places that you never would have thought you lived to right. chase this dream and do this hustle so the sports gambling space has opened up opportunities for a lot of guys like yourself like myself like but I never I, I joke to this to this day Greg and my wife laughs and I tell my kids this I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up I still <laughs> say it all the time and I'm 50 I mean I can't not believe it but it's it's something that I've been very, very fortunate to do. But it's a lot of work, man. I mean, I was opening the book a lot of days at 6 a.m. Pacific um, and, and being there for 10, 12, 14-hour days. I mean, in Curacao, it was every day. We worked every day. There were sports every single day for, uh, you know, it was about a run of 20 months. And I took two weeks off total in 20 months there were no off days we had sports mm-hmm. every day you just got right. up and went to work right. so that's what this 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 kind of life provides if you want to put the work in but i knew when i was five years old and i made my first bet with my dad on the <laughs> steelers cowboys super bowl 10 and i won i was hooked right then and right. uh it's it, it's been a, a an amazing you remember what amazing the spread was in that game Amazingly enough, it was seven and thirty thirty seven, and the final score was twenty one to seventeen. The Cowboys scored a touchdown um, late to cover and push the game over. Over, wow. but apparently I had the money line with my dad because I just knew that the Steelers were going to win, and uh, it made for a great, great story. I wrote about it uh, on my Twitter handle. 
I call it story time from the book. And it reminded me of that story um, just recently. It was, it was, you know, eight years his passing. And I remember that like it was yesterday and, and how excited I was. And he smiled at me and said, remind me to tell you the story about this game and the spread and the total when you get a little bit older. It was a great, great conversation. Well, that, that is pretty cool. And I do want to get to stories like that a little bit later and, and just some of the stigmas about the industry and how you've seen them change. But before we get into that, um, tell me a little bit, let's get more into the, the handicapping side of things. And I know you've kind of been on both sides of the counter, it sounds like, so you're familiar with the way the bookmakers think as well. But you're obviously, as we just went through there, no stranger to uh, this industry and, and how it has changed and, and, and more than anything, just how I'm curious how you have gotten to the bottom of some of your picks and just kind of some of your strategies and, and, and things that you've noticed over the years. Alex, our producer, sent me a video of one of your clips talking about how you always want to take plus run and a half plus money in baseball, and that's just something you always mm -hmm. want to do. And that obviously, you know, is something that isn't going to last forever. And, and you, 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 as you said, have, have done this for 20 years. So just take me through kind of the way you feel, uh, you know, certain handicapping strategies that – used to be profitable that aren't anymore things that are currently profitable and where you think it might be going as far as what some of the market advantages are man that's a uh that's a lot to unpack greg but i can tell <laughs> you this it's it's so there's no one answer and there's no one way to do any of it um i think what i've learned over the years is that um everybody has an opinion and everybody has their own methodology to get to it. And what I've learned from being on both sides of the counter is that some are really good and some are really bad. And a lot of times you have to kind of find your way um, to the good by going through the bad. I think to be truly successful at betting, you have to learn how to lose. You have to mm -hmm. learn how to accept change because your model, your way of looking at stuff may not be right and accept that someone may be better at it than you. So I think, you know, specifically like that baseball example is a good one that I think that that one has stood the test of time. I've met guys my first year in Vegas that were doing it. They're still doing it and they're still okay. going to be doing it. So like there's just certain things that, no, you're not going to win every time, but taking a run and a half and plus money over the course of a baseball season, you're going to be profitable um, unless it's an anomaly uh, that season. But again, there always is. That's the beauty of betting on sports or, or even booking sports, that like you can do everything right and lose. And you can do everything right. wrong and win. I mean, right. it's, it's, you know, and that's the game of skill is, you bad know, lose, bad, bad, bad bets win. Right, exactly. And it happens. So um, I think you really, I, someone asked me this, you know, I get asked this maybe once a week, you know, well, what, what makes a good handicapper or sports better successful? I think you have to specialize. I think you have to know what you don't know. So if you're not good at college football, just don't bet college football. Like just 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 stop and find what you're good at. The best guys that I know are just like 
they're like snipers. They're, you know, they, they know, like, they're golf matchup guys. And they beat sure, you yeah. on golf matchups because that's what they do best. And they'll dabble here and there, but you think they're betting baseball in the daily grind day-to-day? Nope. Do you think they're even looking at NBA numbers? Nope. They're looking at golf, and they're looking at golf all year round, and then they capitalize and go all in when they have the best of it. Do they win all the time? No. Um, the best grinders I know, you know, will hold – I mean – there's professionals that bet millions and millions of dollars. And they they hold three percent of their money. It's a it's not a glorious life. <laughs> it's a real grind, but um, they're good at it. And so specialize, 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 and don't be afraid to say pass on certain things. You don't have to bet everything. That's the, the book has to put everything up. You don't have to bet anything. Sure. And always right. remember that. Yep. You know. I- I think your point is well taken about specializing, but I am curious, like, what would you say to, and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that are like this, and I think the biggest thing that I find to be most important is, like you said, knowing when to pass and having that own self-discipline. If you have a bad day, not trying to get back to even, you know, because there's the old adage that's how every gambler died is trying to get back to even. So, (laughs) you know, I'm curious, though, what would you say? Let's just say there's a person that, can have that own self-discipline not to, you know, go too big when they're down or knowing when to pass, things like that. But they're just a big sports fan, and they they watch all the sports, and they, they, they watch hockey, they watch baseball, they watch NBA. They, so they like this daily grind, and they want to have a little bit of coin on an NBA game on the same night that they might dabble with a couple of baseball games. Like, what would you say to that person? Like, do you think that that is something that you just shouldn't do, or is there a way to kind of – Make it both make it work where you want to have your interest in every sport, you know, aligned with you know some financial investments, uh, if and maybe do okay. Oh, I I love it. I I mean I love sports. I played sports my whole life. I mean I played hockey at Penn State as a club sport. I I okay. love it. I don't like it. I love it. And I played baseball my whole life. I'm I'm coaching fast pitch softball now. Um, so I get that. I just think you have to temper your expectations to thinking you can beat it. Right. But I think you want to win every bet you make, and you just have to have the expectation that you cannot um, because it's sports, you know. But, oh, no, man, like I think you need to look at, you know, as far as like the daily grind, um, NHL is great to bet. You just have to understand the game. So, you know, you have to understand how important – you know, money lines are and what value that you should probably get up to and not lay more than and when a dog has good value. I think totals in all those sports between baseball, basketball, and hockey are tremendous to get into. And and not having to pick the winner of the game, I think, is harder than having to pick the way the game plays out. So, I mean, and that's why totals limits are way lower in books than they are in, um, you know, sides because books know. I mean, I know that totals can be beaten um, a lot more than sides. So I I would look at totals. And then the grind part of it, you've got to find games that that you kind of not have an edge, but you know you're getting a full effort from. And like betting the NBA this year is just the last. Oh couple yeah, of years. motivation can be. Oh, I mean, modified. motivation. Who's playing? Who's not? Um, load management. 
um, you see the line moves. I mean, like booking the NBA has been just it's it's the hardest job in the book daily. Oh, yeah. I think. And, and betting it is even tougher. So you got to wait for the best information. You got to find social media has become part of booking the games. Absolutely. You know, you have to know who's playing, who's not, and stuff like that. And betters know before the books. So you see line moves happen and bets come across before. It's nuts, man. But no, I I love. I'm I'm definitely not saying like you know if you like to to play, I think it's you can find a lot of opportunities. But finding games that mean something in the in the daily sports, um, because in football, that's the unique part of it, right? Like in football season, everybody bets because it's one game a week. You know what right. you're getting. Every right. game is the Super Bowl. You don't get that in the daily sports stuff. So you have to find those spots between two teams with, you know, you're getting 100% effort and full lineups with both goalies starting or the best pitchers that were named to start are starting, or you know the power forward is supposed to play. Is LeBron playing? Is he not? Is Kawhi playing? Is he not? I right. think you got to get all the information before you make the plays. A uh, uh, quick aside before we get back into the gambling, you mentioned you played uh, hockey uh, at Penn State. I'm curious, did you? I, I grew up, as I said, South Jersey, just outside of Philly. Went to Temple. Were you ever one of those Penn State fans that invaded Veterans Stadium and later Lincoln Financial Field for the Penn State Temple football games? I believe it or not, I that's one of the places I never went. Um and I, okay. I did a couple trips where I, I you know there were plenty I went of, to away uh, games. I know. I'd never been to the Palestra. I still want to go. A lot oh, of my, wow. Okay. I, a lot of my friends I never went to a game at the Spectrum, a Penguin Flyer game. Um but my brother lives in Philadelphia right now, and some of my most dearest friends, fraternity brothers from Penn State and former college teammates and stuff, live in Philly. So I'm really tied to Philly in a lot of ways, and I've become – I've fallen in love with the Sixers team, right? I absolutely yeah. just – I love the song. I play it every week on my <laughs> podcast. I My co-host is from Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, it's been a blast, and so sure. – it's come full circle. Dr. J was my favorite basketball player as a kid, and I respected the Flyers, and I always looked forward to going to the games because I was a season ticket holder, luckily, for like 18 years. So I got to see the bad teams before Lemieux. I got to experience winning a Stanley Cup, which, you know, someday I'm telling back you it will back, happen. Right? In the early early. 90s? Yeah, oh, it was the greatest. Yeah. It was unbelievable. But, like, Dave Poulin was one of my favorite players of all time, uh, a flyer who just worked every single shift. Sure. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm not afraid to admit that I had an orange Flyers jersey. I can't believe I'm letting this out, but I wow. had an orange Flyers jersey that I wore um, not too often at home, but I used to wear it all the time. I, I love that jersey. So um, <laughs> that that that's a little little secret that you got out of me, but. Um, yeah, Philly's a cool place. It, well, it I, I will admit, uh, not Penguins jersey, but I do. Uh, I go. My dad and I uh, every year go to the Baseball Hall of Fame for induction weekend up in Cooperstown. Oh, how uh, is that? I love that. Oh, I, I have a bit there for... in late oh. July, upstate New York, on, right on a lake. It's really nice. And anyway, I've started collecting a, a bunch of re- retro baseball jerseys, and I do have a Barry Bonds Pirates jersey. So, oh wow. Uh, I will see. I will keep that. 
that's going to stay in the closet when I go out. I'm, this year we're planning, we always try and hit a ballpark or two. And the weekend after the induction, the Phillies are in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to go to PNC for the first time. And I've heard it's a fantastic. bunch of good things. It's, it's one of the best ballparks. I've been to probably 16 or so of, uh, of the current ballparks. Sure. And it is top three. It, and I'm not just saying that because I lived there. It right. is top three. Everybody I know says it's time. gorgeous. It's so, amazing. You'll love it. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's get back into it. You mentioned one of the things that I'm very curious about. You you kind of hinted at this with the social media when it comes to news and the NBA and information is how things have changed behind the counter because we just talked about a lot of strategies and things you think are, are wise investments and strategies as the gambler. But when it comes to the bookmaker – how do you how have you seen you know uh, what elements have changed to where were there things in the 90s that maybe aren't as valuable now or is it is it all does every element kind of pile on top of another so in other words you know maybe what might have a bookmaker might have looked at to hang a number on a game in the 90s is still somewhat relevant now and there's just more to consider like tell me how you think the bookmaker's mindset has changed uh from 30 30 years ago to now oh it's it's changed a ton but at the same time it hasn't changed at all where it's changed is that i mean you used to be able to get both sides of a bet it was pretty easy you just needed to kind of slide a number just a little bit up this way and there was always somebody to bet the other side and now you really see it in like NBA they're laying the second number they're laying the third number so if you have a game minus four and you get a limit bet you want to move it to five and you do in the old days you used to just put it at five and somebody would take five and you go to four and a half and usually the number would settle there and you're good now Second bet limit bet comes in and they lay five. And then you go to six, you skip five and a half even, you go to six, and sometimes they lay that. So I think you see a lot of times um, you can't get caught up in line movement and stuff like that. I hear this like closing line value, CLV. Not a CLV guy. So, yeah, it's not at all. No, I mean, it will, yes, you can do better if you beat the closing line. But sometimes the line stinks. Like, sometimes it's right. really bad. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I used to put up lines all the time knowing that they were going to bet the other side. And they got the best of it as far as the line, but it was the wrong side. So um, you can't get caught up in, in in all of that. I think you just need to know what – you have to do your own numbers. And that's what I think books – are getting away from like they're just kind of automating the whole process and it's alarming to me and one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to pivot to and, and luckily am able to be you know doing what I'm doing um, but I saw them remove the human element from the actual bookmaking process and this has been the influx of overseas bookmakers coming in and doing it and taking guys like me and, and and friends of mine and guys that I truly, truly respect and learn so much from and saying, yeah, what you guys do, it doesn't matter anymore. We're just going to book the game straight up. We're going to put up a market number and let the chips fall where they may. And even winning and losing is, I mean, like when I was in the book and in the risk room, I mean, like 
I booked it like it was coming out of my pocket every day. And now they don't do that either. Like the street guys and probably the offshore guys still doing stuff, but I don't I don't know if these big companies are becoming corporate and they don't I mean, winning and losing doesn't seem important when you give um back like bad beats. <laughs> There's bad beat givebacks and, and all these things. Like that's part of the game, but it's changed so much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that some of that bad beat stuff, like obviously the big one last year was the Monday night game with Baltimore and Cleveland. Right. I, I just think you're walking a fine line there as, as a bookmaker when you just well, say, well, you know, sorry, but, you know, or, or we feel bad for you this time, so we're going to give you a refund. But, but we don't know. There might be uh, another time when you feel bad for yourself and we're not going to, you know, that feeling won't be mutual. Exactly. Like, how do you pick which ones do you do that with and which ones do you don't? And it's just, it's strange. And the business right now is a gold rush. It's, it's, it's crazy right now how many people want to get into it. But at the same time, do you know what you're getting into? Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is that, you know, booking games is, it's a small margin business, man. It's, it's, I mean, if you do really, really good at it, you can make a whole, like, 10% 10% on your money. Like right. you can make, and if you don't do good at it, you could lose, you know, mm-hmm. and the average hold is five to 6%. So you got to, it's a volume game. You got to, you got to build it up, build it up, build it up. And then at the same time, you're throwing people out. You don't want this sharp action and all this other stuff. I could tell you this. I love this. I've heard it for years, the sharp side, the square side and all this stuff. I've started using the term, Terms rhombuses and parallelograms because <laughs> it's fun to say, it's hard to spell, and nobody gets offended when they get called one or the other. So, right. you know, because the sharps don't want to be labeled as sharp, the, the squares all want to be labeled as sharp, and they get offended being squares. So we just call everybody parallelograms and rhombuses and just move on because <laughs> all I need to know is who won, who lost, grade the game, move on, there's another game. You know, you mentioned just how big things have gotten and how many people want to be behind the counters, hanging numbers, things like that. Take me through how you think we got here. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you hear all sorts of kind of under-the-table shady stories, things that would go on in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And now here we are where, uh, what's it, half the country's got legalized states where you can just make a DraftKings account, FanDuel account, whatever – and do it like what do you think was the kind of systemic change in the industry to where more and more people states governments whatever wanted to make this just a a a normal activity and and not something that was so viewed so negatively for me um, being in Las Vegas for as long as I have and being the only place that was able to sports bet, you know, take sports bets or make sports bets in the country, um, I saw it as, you know, it was always in that, you know, alleyway. It was always in the dark, darkened hallways talking about it. I mean, I lived offshore for God's sakes. I, I was in Curacao. I was in the Dominican Republic a little bit. I, mean, I was doing it way back when, when you couldn't talk about it. I mean, for the longest time, everyone asked me, what do you do? And I was like, well, I, I work at a book offshore. And like, you do what? Can you even, are you allowed to do that? So it was always not possible. But when PASPA passed in, uh, after a long fight, 
where the leagues were like, gambling's bad. Oh, you can't be gambling. You can't have it. You know, no, no one. We can't be associated with it. All right, New Jersey fought it, fought it, fought it, and got it passed. Well, now everyone had the green light to be a part of it. And that was the watershed moment where the league said, well, they passed it. Everyone's going to have it. We got to get a piece. And now that just made the push. How do we do it? Oh, well, we'll do the, we'll take the fantasy guys. We'll make them sports book guys and they'll be sports books. And then we'll be all be partners and we'll put it all over the signage. There's going to be a book in Wrigley field, Greg. There's going to be a book <laughs> in park in baseball stadiums now. Whereas for a hundred years, I mean, Joe, Jackson, Shoeless Joe can't Eight get in the Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah, I mean, he can't get it. You know, Pete Rose is selling picks now, <laughs> it, it's, it, and he can't get in the Hall of Fame. So I was going to say, he's out your way in Vegas a lot, isn't he? He's, I see him all the time. I, I, I had Pete come. He came to the batting cages and, and did a clinic for the kids. Um, it's crazy. And so now everybody wants their piece. And I, I'm telling you, man, I've been telling people all the time, like, you think it's this big money maker? It's this big. It's a grind, and right. a lot of people are going to be disappointed in a year, two years, three years down the road when they go. Wait a second, where's all the money? You guys said we were going to make all this money. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no, there's not that much money here. So right. that was it. That when the leagues could get a piece and become a part of it and allow, you know, fans to bet and advertise it. That was it. It was over. And then, obviously, the ease of use. You know, being able to fund an account, sign up, and make a bet all within 15 minutes from your phone right. in a legalized state makes it way, way easier and open than it ever has been. You know, I want to go back. I mentioned that we would find our way back to that story. I want to go back to uh, your story about Super Bowl Ten with the Cowboys and Steelers. And – Specifically, I think it ties in well with what we just talked about, about the evolution of the industry and how big things have gotten. You would definitely be able to speak to this more than I could. But even I am old enough to remember when if you were at the Thanksgiving table and you had money on a game – you know, or, or or even if it wasn't money, if you were just making a friendly wager of some other sort with a buddy or whatever, and you said that, you know, there might be that aunt or uncle or that grandparent that gives you the, the stern, oh, gambling, you know, you shouldn't be doing that, one of those type things. And, you know, I, I can remember doing uh, college football bowl stuff with my buddies in high school. So I was – you know, kind of familiar with everything then. And even then, I remember, you know, a guidance counselor overheard us just talking about the lines. And he was like, oh, like, you guys shouldn't be getting into that. You're making a mistake. And, and this isn't that long ago. This is like 10 years ago or whatever. And so what I'm saying is it felt like for years there was always going to be that person that gave you the word of caution or that said, it, you know, it's it's automatically bad, or this, that, or the other thing. And there, the industry was just so negatively stigmatized. And I can only imagine what it must have been like 
when you were that age. But do you think now as it becomes more mainstream, because my whole thing is this, as I said earlier, it is not something I do for a living. I never want to have to involve uh, or to rely on my gambling for my full-time income. I have a full-time job, but I think it's a fun little thing to do on the side and it gives you some vested interest in games you otherwise might not care about. And and like you said, the grind, I kind of embrace it and think it's kind of enjoyable. So, in other words, what I'm getting at is I think that the industry at large, we're starting to see more of a shift towards those negative stigmas going away and more and more people. If you play responsibly and have a good time, it can be something that's a really enjoyable activity, and that's always how I've looked at it. How oh, I think the industry has been stigmatized. I I think it's all it's all turning, it's all coming about. But for those of us that have been around it, I mean, I used to bet my grandmother, my nanny D, every single Sunday. So she was on all the about Steeler it. game. She well, she said, "Who do you think's going to win?" And we would sit and watch the game, and it was you know we would go back and forth. And I don't know if I ever paid her or she ever paid me, but we used to keep track. And, like, that was what we did. So I didn't know any better. I had a Super Bowl party with my friends from high school, and my brother was in middle school, and we invited our friends over for the Super Bowl shuffle, 1985 Bears-Patriots Super Bowl, and had a block square pool wow. where we gave away the handheld um, – um, Computer, not handheld computer, the handheld video game that was like a dot matrix game, the football game, Coleco or Mattel or whatever it was. It's a classic. But so we were doing it. We were around it and, and it was never it was never had that stigma. But I understand that, that it did. Now, do I think it's going to change? Obviously, because it's in our face. But I think we have to put some caution up that it's not for everybody. And it's sure. not something that, like, everybody wants to hear about or talk about. And I think we're getting a little bit in, too far out in front of it in saying, oh, well, everybody wants to talk about the lines. Everybody wants to know what the over-under is. No, they don't. I mean, I'm the, I'm the perfect example. I'm the oldest of five. And I'm the only one of the five that even cares. Like that, you know, my brothers are diehard fans and they love to watch the games and, you know, they listen to my podcast or they see my appearances and then I'll get a text like, what are you talking about when you talk about, you know, teasers? Like, I don't get it. Why would you do that? You know, and I just laugh, you know, and my sisters are, are, are sports fans and they get, you know, they love watching the games. They'll never make a bet. They're just not going to. Well, now, have I bought them future tickets? on the Steelers to win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. And send it to them and they have action for sure. Are they going to do it? No. No. They have no they're never going to set up an account. They live in Arizona now where I used to live and they're going to have sports betting. And now my brother in law, he'll he'll set up an account and he'll make plays. But you know, he spent uh seven, eight months with me down in Curacao back in the day. So he gets it. So I think I think you have to understand that it's cool now and it's going to be one of those things but as an industry i think we all have an obligation to it and each other to go you know what we're going to talk about it because we like it 
but we're not going to try to force feed it down anyone's throat because I think what's going to happen is what happened with the fantasy stuff a few years ago where it just inundated with ads in trying to get everybody to do the Millie Maker and all that other crap that they were doing, and it turned people off. And I think uh, the industry, we all have to kind of be the kind of caretaker and going, all right, just talk about it, but don't force feed it down anybody's throat. Sure. No, I think you hit on a lot of good things there, and I, I just think from my – and you're right. Like, you still have to kind of take a cautionary approach, and there always are going to be those people that are going to be sports fans but not sports bettors, and, and, and I understand that. I, I think what I am have noticed, it, it's just it feels like, you know, like you're a hockey guy. A couple of years ago there was that story about the guy that – when St. Louis won the cup and the guy went to, I forget what, oh, yeah. you know, they were last in the league and, and he put however much he put on it and ended up obviously making the big return when they won the cup, never big had, et cetera. Like that was a positive, uplifting, cool gambling story. And I, and I feel like we would have never heard that kind of story 15, 20 years ago, because if there's a gambling story that is making national headlines it was always negative. It was always yep. something bad or, you know, even, and I'm a big movie guy, like a movie, like an eight man out or a California split or a Mississippi grind at the end. There's always that like, Oh, you shouldn't have done like, there's always that kind of, again, negative stigmatization of yep. gambling. And I, I just, I'm happy that as an industry, it feels like we're getting away from that. Or if we are still having the negative ones, it just feels like there's more positive ones. I agree with you 100% on that note. I, I love the positive stories. That's what I tweet about. I I, I love the entire uh, aspect of it as far as um, I think it can create more interest, and it's it's just it's way more fun. I was sitting in the risk room when, um, you know, St. Louis was the worst team in the league, and I saw that price. Um a friend of mine who worked in the book betted himself, another hockey guy. He's okay. a Philly guy, actually. He's hedge a, or no? A, no, he didn't hedge it. He was, he was Love well, it. he was betting it as he went. So okay. know, he, he bet that and then rolled it over. He was doing all kinds of things. But um, he, he was adamant when they got to the finals. He's like, the Blues are winning. And I said, you're, you're, you're sure? He's like, yeah. He, he said, I, I, I firmly believe it. So that story was awesome. And – but for everyone that thought that was awesome, right? There was a hundred people that thought the guy's an idiot. Why is he? Why didn't he hedge? What a silly story! What a silly bet! Like, why would you do that? Blah 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 blah. So you have two sides to all of it. You yeah. just have to find which side you pick. And like gambling, Twitter's amazing. It is so negative. It, oh. it is so. It is so like everyone. Nobody loses. On gambling Twitter, and, and, and you're, you're you're crucified if you if you say something that differs right. from what people think. You got to just drown out all that noise. I think yeah. I think that just goes. That's for a lesson in life. But like for sports gambling right now, if you want to find the negative, you can. Oh but yeah, if, if you're it, someone that cares uh, about how other people think of you, you should not be on Twitter giving out picks. <laughs> nope. Nope, definitely not. You, you and you and I think. Listen, giving picks is it's a hard business, and you have to accept failure there as well and understand. Like, look, I'm giving picks and I'm trying to win every one of them, but I can't because it's impossible. 
I don't right. have Biff's Almanac, you know, in Back to the Future. If I did, I wouldn't be selling the picks. I would be betting every single one. And whether you bet them or not, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And what you bet doesn't matter. I've seen guys bet $5, $500, $5,000 in a million dollars on a game. None mm-hmm. of it matters. Bankroll right. is relative. You just right. have to do the, you know, the process and accept the results, good or bad. Hopefully you win more than you lose. If you win more than you lose, you're going to do okay. I'm glad you mentioned that about the bankroll and, and what you bet, because I think there's also a lot of people that their eyes get all wide when they see those six, seven-figure wagers, whatever it might be. And at the end of the day, again, Certain people are at different financial means, and I just never cared to, like, I know it's like the cardinal sin, and you're never, you should never do it, but even, I never cared to know what other people, because what other people were betting or how much was on a game or something, because I never looked at that as relevant information. Like, who cares? So that, that was always my angle to it, but I think there are, there is this kind of a lure with your, you know, professional that's betting six figures on a game with regularity or whatever, and I, I don't know. Like I, I can I'm tell more you this into that it, guy's process than his 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 figures. And and you would be amazed at the process sometimes. Sometimes it's a guy went on a heater at the blackjack table and brought over three hundred thousand because he just won it. You know, hitting doubles, bang, 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 and then says, well, what's the next game on the board here? Give it to me. Um, Yeah, what's the line? Minus eight? Great. Just play it. And literally dumps that on the counter. You run it through the counter and bets it. So the process isn't always what you think it is. And I'll be the first one to tell you. I think, you know, now, you know, as you being a member of the media, and now I guess myself too, I've had this debate with a lot of guys, and I mean, I know so many people in the industry. I've been so lucky to, you know, I'll do this podcast with you, and then, you know, we'll exchange numbers, and and I'll have you in the ecosystem forever. So I'll shoot you texts. If you you come up with something you want to talk about, ask, whatever, we'll do that. So I've done that with so many people over the years, and, like, I've had this debate with guys that have thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, between, like, you know – heard them at ESPN or, or Everson at covers or, or any of the guys that cover the industry. And I'll go, why is this, why do people care? Why do people care about these big bets? Right. And I don't get it. I honestly Never don't. Did, and I yeah. think as, as a member of the media, it's a big debate, like whether you report it or not. And like, it draws eyeballs, Greg. Like, that's what I keep getting told. All my boys at V said, they're like, yeah, we, we just, we, we post it because people go to it. And I don't know whether they're going to root against it. I, I think that's the case more often than not, or root for some long shot parlay. I think they do that, but they just want to know, and it draws oh, eyeballs. Those, so those are always the the the, the bait. I mean, I, I'm living out here in Minnesota now, and everybody's just about to start fishing for the spring and summer. And the biggest bait that I think the uh, books put out on Twitter is the oh, here's this five dollar. 10 leg parlay that <laughs> this person yeah. made five figures off of. This could be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of those too. lose by one. I've seen a lot of those like they're, 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 they're interesting stories and I've told many of them. I've seen many of them and I still do. Like I get a 
bunch of DMs all the time. People send me their tickets. I'm like, hey, nice hit, big hit. But are they stories? Are they are I don't know. And I'm with you. It never occurred to me to bet something because so and so bet it for X. Or right. you know, it doesn't matter. None of it matters in my opinion. But I guess again, everyone has an opinion. Mine's not always right either. So uh, it, it, it's it's what it's there. Let's put it that way. It's there. You can choose to partake in it or not, whether you consume it or not. It's up to you. One of the other things that I, I think we we just talked a little bit about the stigmas, and I think one thing that maybe we don't hear a ton of stories about, but one thing that can be a nice benefit as the years have gone on, you talked about social media, but and this is true in other walks of life, obviously, with the Internet, but gambling, I think, for so many people has created a nice network, and you've met so many people just by doing it that you otherwise wouldn't have met. I do a, 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 I got in years ago, uh, a guy I know, well, I, I didn't know him, a, 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 a family friend of a guy I went to grade school with always runs uh, golf pools for the four majors and the players championship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's been doing them for probably 20 years or whatever. I got, I started playing when I was in high school and I still do it now. And I've maybe said, you know, 10 words to the guy in my life. Like I remember seeing him at a grad party once and that was it. And, 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 and that's just through word of mouth of my, you know, guy I went to school with. I didn't know you two weeks ago. And then my producer hits me up and says, Hey, you know, we got this guy that, you know, is interested in coming on. Like, what do you think? And I was like, absolutely. And I think that while again, like I said, social media and, and, and this can happen in plenty of walks of life now with how you can connect with people. But I think gambling too has created a way for people that like sports and people that like betting to just come together and, and get to know each other and shoot the breeze a little bit. Right. It's, it's the absolute greatest thing about it all. It's I, I, you couldn't have said it better. It brings sports brings us together in so many ways. And I saw it, especially when we lost sports in 2020, when right. everything shut yeah. down, I never want to know March, 2020 I, to July, 2020 again. Nope. I mean, I was, I was in the risk room and we were preparing, you know, for what was going to be an amazing NCAA basketball tournament. It was going to be just be awesome. The NFL draft was coming to Vegas. I mean, there were so many things that were going on, and then the world just stopped, and I didn't even know what to do. I mean, I had nothing to watch yeah. on TV. I had nothing to to text about. I had, I mean, I had no and, job. And I don't know about off. you, Dave. You're older than me, so maybe you can, but I can only do so many old games. Like oh. after a while, it's like. I know Luis Gonzalez is going to hit that jam shot. And yeah. He's going to go over Jeter's head. Like I don't need to see that again. <laughs> I was <laughs> actually, at, I was at that game. I was actually at Game Seven. Wow. Uh, that was I was living in Arizona, and I went down and went to that game. It's funny you mentioned that one. That was one of my all timers. But um, yeah, without it, without it, I didn't know what to do. And you're right. I don't like watching old games because that's the beauty of the sports, right? You you need it's it's the last thing anyone watches live on television. Who, who you DVR everything? You what? You don't watch commercials. You don't watch not. You don't watch anything. Well, you right. The thing is, like in sports, every now and again, I might want to watch an old moment. But how often do I want to actually watch uh, uh, the full game? You know, like right. I might want to watch the hit for Luis Gonzalez. Do I want to watch the whole game? You know. No. I don't know, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but 
being able to bet on it just adds that element that I think makes you a real part of the game or just gives you a little extra juice watching it. And now we can, you know, whereas, you know, you bet your brother, or you bet your, your cousin, or you bet your friend, your boys are all hanging out watching a game and, oh, I have the over. Really? I, I like the under, but I didn't bet it. All right, I'll root for you. All right, right. The three of us are on this side. And then, you know, the in-game aspect of it now is amazing. Like, you can get involved yeah. and bet it in-game, which I absolutely love to do and watch and stuff. And I do it with my kids. I mean, so it's it's a way to bring us together. Sports in general does that, but now the gambling on it, and it doesn't have to be for a lot. It just has to give you skin in the game. If you play golf and you go bet your boy $5 on the front, $5 on the back, and $5 overall, it's 15 bucks. But you, you know, you, you split the sides and you beat them by a stroke and you gotta, you gotta collect a fin from them. It's the, it's the, not the money itself. It's just that measuring stick. I say that all the time. The money is just a measuring stick. It's the wanting to be right and the wanting to compete that keeps us able to stay in it after you're done playing the games. For those of us that played it, you know, you get older, father times undefeated. You can't always play it anymore. <laughs> and you can bet it until the day you're done. You know what I'm saying? So right. and, that's, and you what, know what? that's what I love about it. I think that like the bonding camaraderie thing is just something that I really enjoy. Like the amount of times when I'm back home in South Jersey hanging out with my friends and whether it be like a Baltimore Cleveland bad beat like we saw this past season, if we have that or whether regardless of what side, we're gonna remember the story because oh. nobody lost their life savings on it and at the end of the day it created a little memory that we otherwise wouldn't have if we weren't aware of the numbers and gambling existing. So again, I just think there are things like that, that aren't celebrated enough that as gamblers, we can enjoy. Absolutely. And, and there's so much there that I mean, I've, you could talk about stories like that. Oh, do you remember that game? I remember that game. I had that. Oh, I right. had that. Too. Exactly. I had, that's how, that's that's how it, that's how you remember it, and that's how it starts. And, of course, like, you know, SVP has done it with bad beats right. and, and, and stuff every week. And, you know, you remember the bad beats probably more than you remember the wins. But the right. wins are fun, too. But it's not even about the wins and the losses. It's about having the action in the game, and that's what you remember. And that's – I I'm going probably to um, – I'm working on some other things and some 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 stuff, but like writing a book has always been a thing that I'm talked about doing, and now I'm, I have the time to do it, or I'm going to have the time to do it. And one of my thoughts was to talk about my greatest sports memories from behind the counter and what it was like being in the book and sharing that experience when Tim Tebow threw that pass. And, you know, uh, the wide receiver, I can't think of the top, ran by Palomalu and scored the touchdown. Sure, and I sure. was in the book. And I was and like, Steeler fan. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, what just happened? What, 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 what just, and, and people were doing the Tebow kneel in the book, like before they cashed <laughs> their ticket. They were coming up and handing it to me. And it was so salty. I was like, I, my team just lost. I had the Steelers in the game. And that just happened. Like, so. And there's a million of those. I mean, the Kentucky Derby, Animal Kingdom won the Kentucky Derby as a 20 to one um, 
odds favorite, and I had a guy show up and just walk into the book randomly the day before and say, give me the 15. And I was like, okay, for how much? And he said, a thousand. I said, a thousand? You want to bet a thousand to win on the, on the horse? He said, yeah. I said, you know, it's 20 to one. Yes. Okay. Print the ticket. And he goes, repeat it. And I go, you want it again? He goes, yeah, again, print it. And I'll never forget watching Animal Kingdom come down the stretch <laughs> and going, this guy's going to cash this ticket. And I told everyone I knew, some guy just walked in and bet a dime twice on Animal Kingdom to win at 20 to one. So I told everyone that I knew, everyone betted, including myself, and me and this kid that was making $12 an hour, who had $100 to win on it, was he, he tackled me coming down the behind the <laughs> counter. It almost knocked me down. He's like, he's going to win. He's going to be screaming. Go, let's go, let's go. And, I mean, he picked up $2,000. And to this day, I mean, I haven't seen a guy in, in, in probably nine years. But to if this day, when tomorrow, he's, you'd know who he was. I, oh, Mikey, what's up? Do you remember <laughs> Animal Kingdom? Boom. That's Great. how that's how the I love those are. stories. So that's that's what it provides, and that's what I think we have to celebrate and um, always keep in mind while we do this. Let's talk a little bit about some of these other events that because we just had the NFL draft, and we talked earlier about your. Uh, experience on the other side of the counter as a bookmaker as well. How do you see the these kinds of events? Because I didn't put I put a couple of sprinkles on some long shot NFL draft prices, but I really didn't get that involved this year. More so last year, obviously, because we didn't have anything besides the NFL draft last April. But I was I, I was. Just so fascinated by the Thursday morning move on the third pick when it, for ye- for weeks it was Mac Jones, you know, dollar fifty favorite, Mac Jones two dollar, oh. etc. And then all of a sudden we're seeing this big shift, and all of a sudden some books are Trey Lance is now a dollar fifty favorite. The prop is off the board altogether, things like that. Um, and one the thing that I kept going back to was well. How do these books, in this case, there's how do they know any more than us? Because at the end of the day, they like, they, you know, it, it, when it's a game, there could be some advanced analytics or some numbers and things that they they have at their disposal that the average better just isn't looking at. But when it comes to a draft, or you know, I don't want to go political, but we see this with the offshore on the election and how oh. those odds started moving oh. and that ended up being wrong anyway. But I'm just curious when it comes to events like that, when it's not a game and there aren't stats or data that you can look out look out to to quantify, but you're going to hang numbers. How challenging is that for these books? Can we swear on this thing? <laughs> Go fire away. Nobody knows shit. That is my one of my taglines, and I say it as a you know, former odds maker, bookmaker. I mean, I'm kind of a current odds maker. I'm not in a book right now. The book doesn't know any more than you or anyone else betting in certain situations. They may look at different things and they may have different ways to make, you know, but like information used to be slanted towards the books for a long time. But with the internet and social media and connections, like 
the information game, I think, is even. And sometimes it's better on the other side of the counter. The book doesn't know anything. Sometimes it's a guy's opinion, and he puts up a number, and then you take bets. That's all it is. And, you know, the books that tell you differently, they're lying. And the professional bettors that tell you differently, they're lying too. Like, there are guys that know. And, I mean, the NFL draft is a perfect, perfect example, Greg. Um, It's a free-for-all. And it's a battle of, all right, who knows this faster? Or who really is ahead of the game here and who gets lucky? And booking the NFL draft is only a recent thing for books. I mean, back in the well, day. Well, like during the NFL season, Dave, you'll see that books hang that prop on who the first coach to get fired is. So how the hell yeah. do you know? You don't know. You're just guessing. It's 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 me, you, and, you know, your producer or something. We're sitting together and we make a line, and then we actually take bets on it. That's how it's done in a lot of ways, like stuff like that. Well, who do you think? Well, I think it'll be him. Well, who do you think? Well, it could be him, but it could be him. All right, make them co-favorites and then move this one down and move this one up. See if we can get some bets on this one because I don't think it's going to be him. You know, and that's how it's kind of done. So, the, you know, I, I'm the first one to – my life is is completely transparent. I'm, I'm so blessed and so lucky. And, and I've always been this way, but I've always been a kind of an open book where if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you a straightforward answer. So to answer your question – I don't think the books know anything more than anyone else uh, in a lot of cases. And the NFL draft is the perfect example. That number three pick had people stymied, questioning everything. Um, all you had and to the, do was The thing was that I found so fascinating yeah. over the weeks was that, like, the minute after the 49ers attended the Ohio State Pro Day, there goes the field's odds, and those start moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just – like I said, I was more interested in just tracking the whole thing than actually betting on it. And then, like, I'm sure there were plenty of people that just saw the Lance move and immediately bet Lance. And, and that obviously ended up being a move that the books needed to make. But, yeah, I, 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 I was just curious how events like that in particular that aren't games, that are just transactions, you know, who's going to – you know, they do it in NBA free agency. You know, where's LeBron going to go? You know, like that kind of thing. Like, yeah, fuck. it's 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 very, very hard to book. I can tell you this. Booking the NFL draft was the worst thing that I ever had to do in the book as far as like being successful and winning. It was it's a lost leader for the books. You do it because you have to. You do it because it generates handle, but you don't do it to actually you know, make money. You do it to break even, hopefully, and gain customers. And hopefully they bet the NBA like tonight or they, you know, they go bet the Rangers against the Capitals tonight in a revenge spot. And you, you have at least a fair, you know, chance in that regard. So let's, that's a perfect segue as we wrap things up here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that maybe catch your eye in tonight's rotation, whether it be baseball, whether it be hockey. You kind of hinted at it, the Rangers, and obviously we saw uh, another Tom Wilson episode on Monday night. Uh, just anything in particular that uh, catches your eye when it comes to money to be made tonight? I can't wait for that game. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge hockey guy, like I said, and, and I just um, – I, 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 don't know what the Rangers are going to do, but I know I hope uh, I know, hope I know what they're going to do, and that means you know dole out justice as justice needs to be done on the ice in the right way, 
And I expect a lot of penalties in that game, which means I think there's going to be a lot of power plays and goals and over. Right. So that makes that, sense. That, that just, that's the first thing I thought this morning is what's, what is that number? And, you know, we're early out in the West Coast and in Vegas. Some of the books aren't even open yet um, while we're talking. But you'll probably see this number steam up. So this is one I like over. Um, the rest of the games tonight, I mean, Vegas and Minnesota was such an awesome game the other night. It was sure. a, the game flew over. I expect it to play out the same way. I, I like the over and I did lay the well. short price with Vegas, so I was frustrated to see I, the end. Well, I uh, and well, that's I kind of I would I don't want to sound like a homer, but I mean I watch a lot of the Vegas games because it's the right time and the kids right. the kids now have their own team. They're not they don't have to be Penguin fans. They don't have to be Steeler fans. They have their own team. It's the Knights, so they love the Knights. We watch a lot of the games. They should bounce back in this game and, and win, but. You know, this is a coin flip game, so it's not a strong play, but I like the over. I expect the game to play out. Dude, hockey has been one of the most successful betting seasons of hockey that I can remember. The way this season was formatted, and you play the same team two games in a row, three games in a row, and you got the cheat code, and you and you figured it out. The the pattern is your friend. The trend is your friend. Is somebody gave me that line on one of the other shows. So if they've played six times and they've all gone over, just keep betting it. So I think you can find the information on on a lot of the matchups. But like the other games between teams that aren't competing for anything are very very tough. So I don't know how to handicap Nashville Columbus. That price looks high to me, but Nashville will probably win. Um, Anaheim and St. Louis. I mean, St. Louis is a two forty-five, two fifty favorite. They're probably going to win that game. The other game tonight that looks interesting to me is Winnipeg Calgary. Winnipeg has gone so bad; they've just been terrible lately. And Calgary's a short price, so I would look to lay the short price with Calgary in hockey. Um, and Montreal and Ottawa. I mean, it's a shame that Ottawa had that bad stretch. They went zero and nine against Edmonton. Had they just split the games against the Oilers, they would probably be competing for a playoff spot. Um, wow. Yeah. It, you know, they, they went 0-9. The Oilers covered the puck line seven of the nine, and I believe and seven of the nine of games went, it, it went over. Yeah, they, 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 they Ottawa lost every game. So that was a pattern that, you know, we used to just – I mean, I was talking about it all season. I was betting it myself. Bet Edmonton until they lose. Well, they never lost, 9-0. So – those are the trends you kind of find. But Ottawa tonight is a live dog, I think, against Montreal. I think you can't – that price is too high for the Canadians being um, where they're at right now. I think Ottawa's a very, very live dog in the game. Baseball, man, um, I'm betting against the Mets until further notice. Like the <laughs> Mets, they, they are so bad. Um, Stroman's on the mound, and, you know, yesterday uh, – DeGrom got scratched, so they were a huge price on the road. Worst offense in baseball, batting average-wise. Second least amount of runs scored. Doubleheader today. Yeah, so, oh, oh, wow. Well, what's game two? I'm looking at Stroman and Kim. Oh, and they haven't named the pitcher for they haven't named right. it, right. Ah, all right. So, first game is Stroman and Kim. I would, I'm betting against the Mets until they lose, or until they win, so okay. – that's that. That's an easy one there, and man, what are we doing with this Phillies team? I mean, seriously, 
they they have six I, straight one run games. Is oh, heart attacks watching every it's, night. It's so brutal. Like it's yeah. so tough. And and uh, I I I really become a fan of them as well with with Harper being there. You really want to bat Chase I, Anderson though? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I was gonna say I think you bet the the Brewers there in right. that game. And then the under in the Pirates and, and Padres late um, for a kind of a get-back game. It's six and a half to open. You want to talk about how things have changed in baseball? Six and a half. In, in a, a nine-inning game. game. I, I'm seeing some of these totals thinking, oh, are they playing seven innings? A doubleheader that I don't know about? <laughs> that's the that's the thing, right? It's It's crazy. And, like, the sharp market is the first five. And people have discovered it. And – you can bet the first five under in a game like that because both pitchers are going to dominate at least the first two, you know time through the order, maybe even into the second time through the order. So I like under in the pirate game. I like under in the first five in the game, and then um, you know go from there. Let's wrap things up and go to the NFL futures market. Um, and our producer specifically was curious your thoughts on the NFC North. But um, before we get there, uh, any in particular value plays you think on the Super Bowl board? Um, I'll tell you what. Someone asked me, does does the draft move the futures? Does anything that happens in the draft move the futures? And believe it or not, I never once moved a number because of anything that happened in the draft. I would sure. say there isn't anything that jumps out to me right now, but when I see the schedule and it comes out in a week, I believe it's May 12th, this next Wednesday. Yeah, one week from tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to look at that schedule to then determine, like, season wins over-unders. Um, and right. it's different because now we got a 17-game season instead of 16. So the old numbers six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight, none of that matters anymore. Right. So there's going to be a whole. Gosh, new how many people to, are going to make a bet uh, and really forget it's, that? It's going to be a disaster for a lot of people because they they're not going to know. Um, so yeah, but I mean, obviously Tampa is the favorite, and he's bringing everybody back. Who doesn't want to play with Tom Brady? It kills me to say it, but he because he terrorized the Steeler fans and, and Pittsburgh for such a long time. But um, Tampa looks so good, and, and and he's he's beating father time. He's just bringing all the boys with him. So, obviously, them. Who knows what else in the NFC? I mean, Green Bay may not have Rodgers at quarterback. Um, did, you know, did anyone in the NFC West do enough to be a challenge? I have no idea how the Saints are going to be. I think there's so many questions in the NFC. Even your Eagles, like what a disaster! Um, uh, they coach feel is playing rock paper scissors with draft prospects. <laughs> See that headline? Yes. Oh, I talked about it on a podcast on my podcast, Cash Considerations. We talked about it because uh, my co-host, his name's uh, Newbie, is a diehard Eagles fan, and we go back and forth. And the other guy I do the show with is a Patriots fan. He's from Boston. So we have go back and forth. The Patriots, I think, are the value to look at. And that actually was one that I know some of my guys in books, they moved them down based on what they did on draft day. And And big free agents. What they did with the free agency, yes. And, you know, they had all those people sitting out. 
They they're right. all coming back. Bill circles the wagons. He gets his he gets a guy who's going to keep his head down and just got coached by Nick Saban. And Saban and him are very similar in a lot of ways. They're friends. So he got his guy, and now he's in. You know, would I think maybe is it the best division in football now? Like it, that it, division, it sure is close. I mean, I mean if, right? if Robert Sala can coach up the Jets, then yeah, I think so. Right, yeah. so the Bills are real. I mean, they're real. They're right. They're they're, they're close. For the sure. Dolphins have a coach. Well, they went ten games last year and didn't yeah. make the playoffs. Right, like right. so they're right there, and now you got the Patriots back. I mean, I feel bad for the Jets and <laughs> Zach Wilson's gonna gonna find out what it's like to go to those the defensive-minded coaches. <laughs> oh, he ain't at BYU anymore, right? No, I mean, he's not. Like, so, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, but the NFL moves the needle, and, and and I can't wait for the season. I just know, like, as a Steeler fan and a Pittsburgh guy, this is the swan song for Roethlisberger, and um, it's going to be a long couple years, I think, after he goes. But I hope there's one more at least playoff run uh, left. But the Browns got better. The Ravens are still the Ravens, and, and, and they're nasty, and, and, and they got their guy. Um, Somehow, if Joe Burrow can come back, they make Roethlisberger the worst quarterback in the division. <laughs> I can't believe what's happened. I can't believe yeah. it. Well, that's where I wanted to end. I, I find that the three most intriguing divisions, and this is where I always like. I'm, I always like to play those. If, if there's a live, you know, two to one long shot or better to win a division, I always like to try and look at those. And I find that the three most interesting ones are the NFC North, the NFC West, and the AFC North. And we look at all three, and you can say, is there a clear favorite? Can we sit here and say, well, you know, that team is like Kansas City in the AFC West, where we just know they're going to win the division, or they're going to be priced like they are. And and there's not, really, because you talked about Rodgers and the uncertainty there, and, you know... If, and that's the MVP last year. So if, if he's not on the Packers or, you know, if shit hits the fan with him and LaFleur, a lot of people thought it would last year, myself included, and it never did, you know, well then that makes some of the teams that are priced, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of pressure in Chicago, you know, and, and, and Minnesota I feel like is kind of just sitting there saying, well, you guys can have your soap opera and we'll focus on winning games. So I think that that – Division is kind of interesting from a futures market. I would think the Vikings would be a team that I might be interested in just because of the variance that exists with Green Bay and Chicago. I, I wouldn't really want any part of them. Then you look at the NFC West, and everybody's good. So, you know, when it comes to finding a, a price or, or somebody you like, you know, I think that that can get kind of interesting when you think about uh, – you know, Arizona, I just look, they're two to one just to make the playoffs. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I think that's interesting. And then, as you said, the AFC North, you don't really have a clear favorite. All of a sudden, is this a changing of the guard? Are we seeing the Browns begin to rise to the top? Mm-hmm. You know, Cincinnati, how ready are they? Could they be an overwin total, even if they're not a playoff contender? Uh, what do you think about those three divisions when it comes to the futures market? I think it's going to be fascinating, and I think you're 100% right. They're so intriguing and so many storylines in them, and I love the back and forth and, like, trying to make the prices for those things where, 
were knockdown drag out affairs. Like I would be sitting with the boys in the room going, all right, tell me why you think that the Steelers are going to win the division because I don't think there's a chance in hell. And then we would go back and forth. And then, I mean, <laughs> the, the NFC. I'm looking, Dave, the Steelers are three and a half, four to one to win the division. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't think there's a chance in hell. I really don't. I just, uh, uh, but people are going to bet them too. That's the other thing. Just you can make the price. Steelers 360 yes. or plus 360 or whatever. Yeah. And take it. Yes, and that's what's going to happen. So you have to make the prices not just for what you think is going to happen, but also for what people are going to bet. So that's the fun part of the job, the debates, and then, you know, where they go from there. Um, your division up there in, in Minnesota, like, it's it's a daily soap opera. I mean, that's between, what I'm saying. Between the Packers and what 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 they got, going. they have the reigning current MVP of the league. Don't want to be there. How, oh, well, okay. So what do we do? You got the Vikings, who I think probably have the best defense of the division. Um, but are they viable to win a, a division over the course of a season? Maybe. You got the Bears. Got their guy. Like I'm, I'm happy for Bears fans. Genuinely, I think they got a quarterback. I think they got a guy who's going to be successful as long as the coach doesn't screw it up. Like I think they're gonna, they, they got a guy. It's not Andy Dalton, by the way. Just for the record, that's not QB one for Chicago. And then you got <laughs> Detroit, who continues to just terrorize their their fan base and tease them and like pretend like they're good and they're not. But They'll win a couple games they're probably not supposed to, and I still love those Honolulu blue uniforms. So, like, <laughs> it's nuts. It's just it's 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 so much fun to debate and talk about. And the division market allows you to actually bet it. What do you think's going to happen? I mean, there's not a clear cut favorite, a significant favorite in any division in football other than the Kansas City Chiefs That's and the. Right. You know, there's no definitive. I mean, I guess you could say Tampa's a, a it's almost a two to one favorite, but like the rest of the divisions, there's there's divisions that are everybody's a plus price. You know why? The bookmakers don't know either. I mean, right. who, you tell me who's going to win the NFC East? No idea. Right. No idea who's going to win that division. The 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 NFC West, what's gone on? I don't know who's going to win that division. Well, so you can get a plus price on everybody and have a lot of fun in the debate back and forth. Exactly, and that's what I wanted to hit on because I really love looking at those division markets and taking a two to one, three to one plus plus price on a team in a division that's I believe to be pretty wide open. But there he is, Dave Sharapin from uh, Sportsbook Consigliere on Twitter at SportsBKConsig. Dave. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Full Slate. Uh, and like I said earlier, we talked about the networking. I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk. I enjoyed this. Oh, 100%. You, you want to make a good bet? You can bet that this will not be the last <laughs> time we talk. I can guarantee you that. Happy to be a part of the show. Looking forward to where, you know, young guys like you take this business. But very happy to, uh, to go along for the ride. I really appreciate the time. There he is again, Dave Sharapin at SportsBK Consig on Twitter. 
We appreciate his time. My name is Greg Frank. Check me out at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Everyone enjoy the rest of your week and weekends. And, of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.